Hi, this is Sarit Schwetzer, and welcome to the It Is Taught podcast, a podcast devoted to the teachings of Rabbi Schneir Zalman of Liadi, as recorded in his most famous work, the Tanya. My hope for this show is to make these teachings accessible and relatable to the average person, regardless of prior Jewish education or affiliation. The episodes follow the prescribed daily study portions and are meant to serve as practical lessons in how to live your life as your true self and develop an authentic and powerful relationship with your creator. I have personally experienced the effects the study of this work has had on me, and I'm excited to share what I can of this knowledge with you. So please join me on this journey of learning, self-growth, and connection with your source. Hi, and welcome to the It Is Top podcast. This is episode 556 for the 12th of Sivan in a regular year. So we've been talking quite a bit about the sun and about sunlight and about how sun and sunlight are apt analogies for understanding God and his relationship with the world and creation and all of that. And yesterday we left off with a question and we talked about, so just for context, so we talked about how just as when when we look at sunlight, the only reason why we're able to perceive sunlight is because it is shining outside of the sun itself, whereas in, into something that's not the sun, like here on earth, for example, whereas were we to take those very same rays of sunlight and shine them back inside of the earth, then those rays of sunlight would cease to exist because they'd be shining back in their origin and their source. And we, we use this as an analogy for understanding creation in relation to God, or more specifically in relation to God's speech, which is the animating force which underlies all of existence, as we spoke about. And so we talked about how if we were to really see the source of all of creation, which is really the speech of God, it would, it would cease to exist because we'd see it in its origin, in its source. And then we left yesterday with a question and we said that, so why is it that we, that we are able to perceive reality as an independent existence, as uh, the world around us, as some type of substantial, tangible existence. Because unlike in the case of the sun, where there's sun and then there's not sun, so there's the sun and then there's the earth onto which the sun shines its rays, in the case of God and God's speech, there is nothing except for God's speech. We already spoke about that. So so if that's the case, that means that everything here on this earth is in its source still. So it's as if we are the rays of sunlight inside of the sun. So thus, by extension of that logic, it means that we should really cease to exist. It means that we should be no longer, right? So that was the question that we left off with last time. And today we're going to begin to unwrap the answer to that question without actually getting fully to the answer, but we're going to start to deepen and delve into this discussion a little bit more. So we'll start off by once again, coming back to the sun. And so interestingly, that even in the case of the sun, which is something separate from, from the world around it, so it's not exactly like God's speech, it's, it's slightly different in that way, but even in the case of the sun, we don't actually perceive the sun in all of its glory, right? Like we all know that we have to put on sunglasses when we go outside when it's a really sunny day. We have to put on sunscreen. We know that there's a big threat to the planet because the ozone layer is damaged and the ozone layer is what protects us from the sun. And even on a more essential level, when we actually look at the body of the sun itself, then the, the sun itself actually has 
a bunch of layers to it. So it's not just like, so the sun that we're seeing, even when we have our sunglasses on, is not truly the sun itself. All we're seeing are the outer layers of the sun. So if you'd like to get technical, just some interesting facts, if you'd like to know, the sun actually has three inner layers that we don't actually see at all that have nothing to do with our perception. They're totally not related to us. Those three inner layers of the sun are the core of the sun, the radiative zone of the sun, and the convection zone of the sun. So those three inner layers of the sun are totally imperceptible by us. Then the sun has four outer layers and those four outer outer layers is that is basically technically what we mean when we say that we see the sun. Those four outer layers from inner to outer are the photosphere, the chromosphere, the transition region, and the corona. So really the first layer of the sun that we're able to perceive on any level at all with our visual eyes are is the photosphere. The reason why I bring this up is to talk about, and this is what the altar up is going to talk about today, is how even though the sun may not be the most perfect analogy for understanding God and the way God relates to his creation, it can be helpful in certain respects. And one way that it can be helpful to us in understanding how it is that we have a sense of our own independent existence is to look at the fact that even in the case of the sun, the sun has some kind of protective shield around it to allow us to perceive it. Because without that protective shield or several protective shields, in fact, including our own protective shield of the ozone layer, we wouldn't be able to experience that sun directly. So it's not so simple that there's just like the sun and then the earth. There's actually a whole bunch of layers in between that protects the earth from experiencing the sun and, and allowing those rays of sunlight to have an existence down here. So, so too will we learn when it comes to God, that there is some kind of protective shield that God has, that God uses in order to have himself express himself to us and to have us perceive him and to perceive ourselves as independent creations. So let's get straight into the text and see how the Altarabet explains all of this. And we're beginning a new chapter today, chapter four of Shaharia Chudvayamuna. And so here we go. So the Altarabet begins this section today by quoting a verse from Tehillim, chapter 84, verse 12, where it says, Ki shemesh umagen Hashem elokim. So what that literally means is that for a sun and a shield is God your God. So sounds kind of abstract, sounds a little bit obscure. So we're going to try to break that down a little bit. So let's go back and read that a little slower. So ki shemesh umagen Hashem elokim. So for the sun and a shield is God your Lord. So a sun and a shield. So that word shield or in Hebrew magen is alluding to the fact that the sun has a shield to it, as we referenced in the introduction. And so, like we mentioned, the sun has a shield around it, and or it has a protection, like a sheath around it, in order for creation to be able, in order for created beings to be able to handle it, in order for us to be able to bear the heat of the sun and the rays of sunlight from the sun. And this is alluded to by the sages in uh, in the Gemara in in Masachet Nadarim, page 8b, where it says, which literally means that in the future to come, meaning when the Mashiach comes, then God will take the sun out from its sheath and the wicked will be punished by it. 
So this is an allusion again to the fact that the sun has some kind of shield around it and that in the future to come, then this shield will be removed and then the wicked people will experience it directly. And so now the, and this is actually something which will be explained, just teaser alert, is it will be explained elsewhere in Tanya what this means and this, uh, and this punishment that will come about by way of the sun. But for our purposes now, the main thing to know is that there is a shield around the sun that allows us to be able to handle it, for us to be able to bear its light. And so now the altar rabbi goes on and he says that just like there is a shield that protects us from the sun, so too does God have a shield. So again, if we go back to that Pasuk from Tehillim, where it says, Ki shemesh Hashem elokim. So for the sun and a shield is God your, your God. So what do we mean God your God? So if you look at the Hebrew, there's two, it's, it doesn't repeat itself, God your God. It's, it's, there's two different names of God that are mentioned here. So it's Havaya elokim or Hashem elokim. So there's the name Havaya, otherwise known as Hashem, which is the Yud Kevavke, otherwise known as the Tetragrammaton name of God. And then there's the name Elohim. So what we're saying here is that basically to read this Pasuk a little bit differently is saying that just as the sun has a shield, so there's the sun and the shield, there is the name Havaya and the name Elohim. So somehow, and this is what the altar is going to explain to us, the 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 name Havaya is like the sun and the name Elohim is like the shield for the sun. So the name Elohim somehow shields us from the name of Havaya, serves as a shield for the name of Havaya. So why and how could this be? So when we look at this name of Havaya, the Tetragrammaton, if we actually look at the meaning of the word Havaya, the, the meaning of this Tetragrammaton, this, this kind of core essence of this name of God. It's like God has many, many names, but this name of Havaya is kind of like considered to be his essential name. If we actually look at etymologically what this name means, it means that he's constantly bringing everything into existence, something from nothing at all times. And the and and when we look at the spelling of this name, so it spells Yud and then He and then Vav and then He. So it begins with the letter Yud. And any and a word in Hebrew that begins with the letter Yud is an allusion to something which is being is happening, an action that's happening grammatically. Like when you have a Yud in front of a word, it's a grammatical indication that this action that's being done is something that's continuous and perpetual. And then the altar brings an example of this from Eov, chapter one, verse five, where Rashi explains this, where it says, Kacha yase Eov kol hayamim. So which literally means this is what job would do all of the days. And that word would do, uh, it's, it says, yaase. So, it's, uh, so again, it's an allusion to the fact that what does this mean? This means that this was what Eov like, was accustomed to do all of the days. So it wasn't just like Eov did this thing one time or he would sometimes do it. It was like a sense there's a sense of perpetuality to, us, to it, a sense of like habit, habitude to it. So that's the Yud in Hebrew grammatically alludes to this idea. So just like in the case of Yaase Yov that Yov did, like this was a perpetual doing, so too when we look at the name of God, the Yod Ke Vavke name of God, the Tetragrammaton, this the fact that it's it's uh it 
etymologically relates to the idea of bringing things into existence, it's not just saying that God brought things into existence as a one-time thing or as a once-in-a-while thing, but it means that it's perpetual and habitual. This is something that God is continuously doing. And so thus we can say that this life force that's coming from the mouth of God, from the spirit of God's mouth, and bringing them into existence, something for nothing at all times, it's not enough that they were just created one time in the six days of creation, as was explained above. So it's it wasn't just that, like, as we mentioned, we've been talking about this a few times, several times already in this podcast, creation wasn't a one-time event. It's not that God created the world in six days of creation, and then, ta-da, now we have a world, and that's it. Creation is something that's happening at every moment, at every day, at every single second, all the time. And this is what's alluded to in that name of the yod Vavke of the Tetragrammaton. And now the ultra is going to bring up another point that's going to help us understand this whole idea is that he says that in the sitter, like it, when we're looking at the the prayers that we say and the different praises that we give to God, it says things like that God is great and God is mighty. So hagadol, hagibor, that kind of thing. And when we say the word hagadol, great, this is alluding to God's attribute of chesed, God's attribute of kindness or spreading forth like a extroverted kind of vitality to all of the worlds to the point of infinitude without limit. So that uh, so that these exist, these creatures that exist should be uh, should exist out of gratuitous kindness. So it's like with total, like God brings the world into existence with total kindness. Like he doesn't judge, he doesn't like, it's It's not created out of a judgment. It's not created out of like, oh, do these creatures deserve to exist or not? God's just like bestowing kindness on all of his crea- creations in order to bring them into existence. And then when we talk about God's greatness, the gadula, this is coming from the greatness of God in all of his glory. So what that means is that God is great and uh, and his greatness is unfathomable. So this is uh, this is a citation from Tehillim, chapter 145, verse 3, where it says, So God is great and his greatness is unfathomable. And so thus, when God creates the world, he does this in this very infinite kind of way, like in an unlimited way, making unlimited worlds and unlimited creature, creature, creatures, because... And this is where the altruistic concludes is that it's the nature of the good to do good. So because God is the source of all goodness and the source of all chesed and the source of all greatness, then it is his nature to give and to do good and to create the world. So that's the end of this section. So if I could just kind of bring it all together and we're kind of left here on a little bit of a cliffhanger, like at the middle of a sentence almost kind of thing, because we haven't really answered the question yet. So again, the question was, how is it that we can perceive ourselves to be independent entities, to have a sense of independent existence if we are inside of our source at all times, unlike the rays of sunlight that are inside the sun? So we didn't get the answer just yet, but today we're going on a little bit of a tangent to help us get there. And the way that we did this is the ultra brought up a few points, which kind of might seem a little bit disconnected right now, but then hopefully they will all come together in future episodes. So point number one was this, again, going back to this idea of the sun and how as much as we do talk about the sun and its sunlight, uh, its its rays and, and sunlight and how we all perceive sunlight because we're here on earth, it's not so simple. And that in fact, the sun itself actually has many layers to it that allow us to perceive its rays. Otherwise, we wouldn't be able to perceive its rays, uh, perceive the sun at all. And we would just, it would be too 
intense for our eyes. We then talked about the fact that in the future, actually God is going to remove these protective shields from the sun and the uh, the wicked people will actually be judged and be punished by the rays of the, the, the direct exposure to the sun. Then we started getting into this whole discussion about God's names and about the relationship between God's two very foundational names, the name Yudke Vavke and the name Elohim, and how somehow this name Elohim serves as a protective layer for the name Havaya, just like uh, just like the protective layers of the sun per, uh, serve as a protective shield for the sun itself. And we talked about how etymologically this more essential name of God, this name of Yodke Vavke that needs to be shielded from us, etymologically is related to the idea of existence, of bringing things into existence. And it's it grammatically alludes to the fact that this is not just a one-time event that creation happened, but it's something that's happening perpetually and continuously at all times. And then finally, we talked about God's greatness and God's kindness and God's glory and just about how it's the nature of God to bestow goodness and kindness upon all of his created beings. So that's it. And so I, my takeaway from this section really is to really give us a sense, first of all, that God is really great and God is truly bringing everything into existence, something from nothing at all times, which is something that we learned. And the greatness of God needs some kind of protective shield. So he's, so we're getting a sense at the answer here. We're getting a little bit of like a, a little bit of a, a glimpse into what the answer to our question might be, that there needs to be some kind of shield. that truly it is true that if we were to experience God in a direct way, then we wouldn't be able to exist. We wouldn't be able to perceive ourselves as having independent existence. And in fact, even in terms of the sun, which is our nice analogy that we coming, keep coming back to even the sun which is a created being needs a protective layer in order for us to experience it so all the more so will does god need some kind of protective layer in order for us to be able to experience him and for us to experience ourselves in relation to him so we'll get into these ideas uh, a little bit more as we continue through this chapter and so stick with it and bear with me and we'll continue with this tomorrow i'll speak to you then thanks for listening to the it is top podcast hosted by sarit switzer this podcast is dedicated in loving memory of my maternal grandfather, Abraham Yitzhak ben Benjamin Cohen of Blessed Memory. Music by Shoshana. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to support the show, please share it with others and subscribe on YouTube, Apple iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And make sure to leave us a five-star review. To find out more about the It Is Top project, including more information on my soon-to-be-published book, please visit our website, itistaught.com. To catch the latest from me, follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Looking forward to speaking with you tomorrow, and until then, have a great day.